Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to you? And he says, my childhood. And as often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. And if he can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. You may be seated in front of the Lord. I believe, help my unbelief. Well, come on, I want to talk from this thought. When we can't fix it, when we can't fix it, when we can't fix it. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it is no secret that man is the crescendo of God's creation. That after God has set everything in order, on that sixth day, he took dust, molded dust, that he had molded it into the fashion that he desired, he breathed into this molded figure, the breath of life. And man became a living soul, living flesh. When God breathed into man the breath of life, he was making a deposit within man. Making this deposit was itself fulfilling what he had and went on shop to do with the agreement between God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to make man in his own image. God deposited within us a little bit of himself that you and I carry within us some divine action there are some God-like characteristics within each one of us. This is why because of what anybody has done, because of what mistakes they have made, no one can be defined just by the mistakes or the miscalculations in their lives. Because the sum total of their life is much greater than the mistakes they have made because there are some divine characteristics within that individual. God breathed us, we became a visible message. Part of us having this divine characteristic, part of us having this God-likeness, has to do with our ability to reason, our ability to um, logically denounce or deduce uh, resolutions to issues that we are facing. And God has given us the ability to Think. Think sometimes we have to remember that. That God has not just left us in this world without any sense of reason and logic to figure out things on our own. That there is no sin in thinking. There is no sin in using your cognitive ability to try to discern what is the best thing for you to do about a particular issue that you may be facing. 
There are many Christians who act as if they are the 11th commandment that says, Thou shalt not fail. We simply want to give everything to God and wait on God to figure everything out and act as if God has not given us any rational capacity to think for ourselves. Let me caution by saying this our thinking is limited, our understanding is limited. This is why the Bible tells us we ought to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways and knowledge of and He will direct our path. Our understanding is limited, but God still asks of us or requires of us to use our minds. He asks us to think. He asks us to think logically. Also asks us to invite the wisdom and counsel of other people into our lives. As the Bible says that there's counsel and safety in the counsel of any, that there's nothing wrong with having a faith. There's nothing wrong with bringing minds together to try to figure out some uh, solution to the issue that we are facing. We should think. And because of man's ability to think, he's been able to do some extraordinary things. By God's grace and mercy, with the capacity he's given us, man has done things that blows our mind even to this day. You think about the fact that we put men on the moon. We've explored galaxies. We've come up with different scientific and medical solutions the issues that are facing us, that, that even today, many of us have already received vaccinations from a pandemic or from COVID-19 that was killing people by the thousands on a daily basis. But now, with this medical innovation, with the ability of man to reason and come together, we have developed a vaccine and we can see our way out of this pandemic, or we can at least See, like at the end of the tunnel. Because we can think. Because we can reason. And because of that, God allows us to do extraordinary things. But, brothers and sisters, even after we bring all of the minds together, the best of minds, you have thought um, the best of, to the best of our ability, there are still some things that we cannot figure out. There are still some things that we face that we do not have the capacity to unlock the solution to those particular circumstances. Life will remind us somewhere along the journey that we may have been able to figure out this. We may have been able to find a solution to that. But there are some things in life that you and I just cannot fix. We just can't fix it. No matter how smart we are, no matter how well connected we are, no matter what our financial uh, status may be, no matter where we live, no matter what our educational uh, achievement may be, there are certain things that you and I cannot figure out. Certain things that we can't fix. And we don't like to admit that. We don't like to admit that this is beyond me. We don't like to admit that I cannot 
figure this out. We don't like to admit that this is stopping me. This puzzling me to the point where I am confused and I am discouraged. And sometimes I write the quest because I've been able to figure out all of these other things. But this one thing seems to be stopping me. We don't like to admit it. We like to fix everything. This is something for me and Hamlet, but particularly the case for me. We love to fix stuff. When people come to us with problems, we believe it's our job to fix it. But our children, our spouses come to us with any issue that they may be facing, our family members, we believe that we ought to be able to fix that problem for them. Sometimes they just want us to listen, but we don't listen because we're too busy trying to figure out the solution while they're trying to communicate their sentiments. We want to fix it. We want to fix it. We want to make it right. We want, to, we want you to bring it to dad and your daddy can solve the problem. We want you to bring the uncle and your uncle can satisfy your dilemma. We want you to believe in us. We want to let our family know they can count on us. But brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, and particularly men this morning, there are some things that, that you and I just I have a situation that 
a lot. I have a situation. I cannot resolve. My son is sick. My son is sick. That, that my son is sick. He, he's dealing with a spiritual issue. But it's showing up in a physical way. That the father is wise to understand that uh, the issue that he's dealing with is not just the fact that his son becomes mute and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. It, it's not just the fact that his son convulses from time to time. He identifies that that is the physical uh, implications, but the true issue is the spiritual issue. He tells the man that my son has a spirit that makes him. That the spirit comes upon him. It seizes him. It throws him down. He falls and grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. As we go and look at this dialogue between this man, Mr. Vincent, and Jesus, we find out a little bit about this condition because the Father tells Jesus when Jesus asks him, How long have he been like this? That he's been like this since his. Child. This has been an ongoing issue. And let's not kid ourselves. This is not the first time that this father has tried to do something about his son's condition. This is not the first time that he just woke up that day and said, Well, I think I'm going to try. They let my boy out. He's been living with this for years. I guess today is going to be the day.
to, to deny that reality. Our human nature calls us to keep on thinking that there's something that we are missing. And if we just add that missing ingredient, everything will work itself out. But if you live long enough and deal with the same issue long enough, you finally come to the point where you acknowledge that I cannot accept. It's not adding up. It's not making sense. My rational abilities are not helping me. I'm trying everything that I could. It seems like there's no revolution. This father says I can't do this. But within his resolution of understanding that you cannot miss it, he helps us to understand what to do when we can't. What do we can't miss our children? What do we can't unlock that child's understanding? What to do when we can't resolve the issue in the relationship? What to do when it seems as if the generation that we are dealing with now is beyond our abilities to help. What to do when we're dealing with children who are acting out because of a lack of love, an overdose of worldliness, an overload of cultural shifts and transitions, and lack of cultural enrichment and an enriching educational experience? What to do when we find ourselves dealing with violence, dealing with things that just seem beyond our ability? What should we do when we can't miss? This test tells us three things that I've become this morning. The first thing is, when we can't fix it, we must remain hopeful. When we can't fix it, we must remain hopeful. There's something about us that when we get to the point where we say, I can't fix it, we take our hand completely off of it. We throw our hands up and say, I'm done, and relegate ourselves to a position of indifference. It don't have to be anymore. It is what it is. Whatever. I'm done with it. I tried all I can try. But that's the worst thing we can do when we get to the point where we understand we can't. We must remain hopeful. We must still seek resolution. We must still talk about it. We must still think about it. We must still contemplate it. We can't pack up and put it on the shelf and act like it's not there. We can't just say, well, that never happened to me to me. Do for me. I'm just going to control what I can control. And these are outside of my control. So I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. 
God to resolve something that you don't understand. Oh, have you ever been there before? Well, God shows you how to act. God shows you what to do. And when you started doing it, you didn't understand. You were crying, you were hurting. But when you got on the other side of it, you recognized that God had led you, that God had given you insight, and God had brought you to a place of understanding. And you looked at it, you know it was not your education, it was not your connection, it was not your intellectual capacity, it was nobody but God using you to bring about the revolution. We remain hopeful in God's ability. And sometimes God's ability to use us even when it's beyond our ability. We must remain hopeful. And not only do we remain hopeful when we gave this in, we have to seek our holy help. Seek holy help. This is this man. Came looking for Jesus. Yeah. He came looking for Jesus. Jesus was not there. So he had a conversation with Jesus' disciples. This man came seeking holy. I want to make sure I talk about this on two levels really quickly this morning. First, the holy help is seen in the community that has been set aside for God's purposes. Are y'all with me this morning? Seeking holy help means coming to the community that has been set aside for God's purposes. I'm going to say it again. Seeking holy help means coming to the community that has been set aside for holy purposes. It means, by the line, coming to the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. We got a bad habit of being up on the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ain't just people in the world. I've learned that church folk Talk about the church worse than people in the world talk about the church. We wonder why folks won't come to church. It's because the people who do come to church want to talk about everything that's imperfect about the church. And since we talk about everything that's imperfect about the church, people don't want anything to do with the church. But you know what? I went to Walmart. And it wasn't perfect. Some bad Jews, some long lines, some things I was looking for wasn't in stock. And I got frustrated. And I didn't even talk about Walmart. But guess what? I went back to Walmart. You know, Talk about the schools. School ain't doing this. School ain't doing that. Teachers ain't doing this. Teachers aren't doing that. But you know what? We still send our children to school. 